Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And we are here with a feminist movie Friday slash possibly feminist movie Wednesday, as sometimes happens. Yes. Um, Because we've got a lot of moving pieces right now. Also, we're doing um, more than one movie, I believe, in April and in May. Because uh, we love <laughs> movies here. We hope that you love them as well. Uh, or at least love our uh, critique, our feminist <laughs> discussion around them. <laughs> yes. Yes, because we had a lot of things come out recently, plus some like events we want to hit. So get ready for multiple movie episodes. And this one, we have mentioned before how excited we are to talk about Turning Red, Pixar's 2022 movie. It just came out, which is now streaming on Disney+. Plus. Uh, if you haven't seen it and don't want to be spoiled, go check it out. It's really, really sweet. Um, I've shown it to at least four people. Like, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and we have a lot to discuss with this one. So uh, we better... We better get a move on because <laughs> you know how we like to talk. And I got a lot of, of personal experience with some of the topics in this one, which reminds me, you can see our past episodes on fangirls, fan fiction, and women and romance, actually. Yes. yes. And yes. it does have common themes. So if you're like, what? Why? You'll see. Mm-hmm. You'll see. Okay, so Turning Red is an animated comedy fantasy coming-of-age story that was directed by Domi Shi, um, and she also wrote it along with Julia Cho. It was produced by Lindsay Collins, and some of the animation style was inspired by anime, particularly Sailor Moon, and also I read it was also inspired separately by the Goofy movie, which I love. I've never actually seen the full movie. I've seen clips of it because people will have it up. Yeah. I saw it as a kid, and I remember loving it. I have a friend of mine who adores that movie. That's like one of her nostalgic. Ah. We go back to the Goofy movie, and she is always trying to get me to watch it, and I always turn her down, and now I'm thinking I need to I need go to let to her. It. Yeah, I think so. Also, is Goofy a, a dog? I believe so. 
still quandary about why Goofy can talk and walk around and his son, mm-hmm. who was in the Goofy movie, but Pluto's Pluto, who was Mickey's there, dog. Yeah. But that's the whole thing. There, that, moving there, on. There are definitely <laughs> questions. Uh, I also just wanted to mention, because uh, as of today, Lindsay Collins and Domi Shi have both been um, promoted at Pixar. So Collins is going to be the senior vice president of development and Domi Shi has been named Vice President of Creative. Uh, and she worked as an intern at Pixar um, way, way, way back. So that's a nice, that's a nice story to see. Well earned, ladies. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. As if they're listening to our episode, but still congratulations. Oh, if you are, we love you. Thank you. <laughs> so good. So good. So this movie is voiced by Rosalie Chiang. Sandra O, oh, Orian Lee, Ava Morse, Hyan Park, Maitreyi Ramakrishnan, Wai Ching Ho, Tristan Alaric Chen, and James Hong. It's the first Pixar movie directed only by a woman and only the second to feature an Asian character in a lead role. Despite the fact it was critically acclaimed, it attracted a lot of controversy, which we are going to get into. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got uh-huh. Lots of thoughts. Yeah. Lots of thoughts. But anyway, the film, which takes place in Toronto in 2002, which, yeah, I was like, oh, this is, they were a little bit younger than what I would have been in 2002, but I understood their love. I understood uh-huh. it. Uh, it uh-huh. follows a 13-year-old Chinese-Canadian girl, Mei Lin or Mei Li, an overachieving student who excels in all of her classes and extracurriculars. Uh, she has a close group of friends, Miriam, Priya, and Abby, who are incredibly supportive, but also push her to take more time to honor herself and do what she wants as opposed to doing everything in her power to please her overbearing mother. While walking home from school, her friends stop May so that they can ogle the cashier at a local store. May doesn't see what the fuss is about and turns down their invitation to karaoke so that she can go help mom clean the family temple, which apparently was a tradition for them, daily tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, her friends let her go, but only after they've gushed over their love of boy band Four Town, of course, yes. declaring themselves Four townies forever, ride or die, and sing their hit song together. And they harmonized. It was really nice. It was really nice. (laughs) Upon returning home to the family temple, May helps her mother, Ming, who clearly has high occupational hopes for her daughter, just high hopes in general. One of the family's ancestors, Sun Yi, just what the temple is sort of, uh, who the temple is sort of based around, um, loved animals, especially the red panda. So May often dresses as a red panda for visitors to the temple. Later that night, uh, May's doodling while listening to Four Town when she realizes she's doodling a picture of Devin, the cashier her friends were drooling over earlier. (laughs) Um, And something seems to just like click in her to kind of overcome her. She rolls under her bed and starts feverishly drawing pictures of her and Devin together, holding each other, of him bare-chested with a mermaid tail. Um, as the lighting behind her goes red, it gets redder and redder and more intense, and she starts sweating. Her mom comes in and is horrified by these drawings, believing that Devin took advantage of May. Ming drives them both to the convenience store to confront Devin with an audience of some of her classmates, including bully Tyler, much to May's horror and to my horror as well, witnessing this whole thing. (laughs) It was pretty bad. Uh, The confrontation ends with her mother dramatically presenting May's drawings to Devin. 
And the occupants look at them in horror and mock them. They mock May as Ming pulls May out of the store and is like, thank goodness I was there. Is there anything else she you want to her. tell me? Yeah, right, she exactly. saved her from this predator. Which, mm-hmm. though there was no interest, but I get it. I get it. <laughs> as an adult, I get it. Uh, mm-hmm. That night, May screams into a pillow and rips apart her other writings and drawings, telling herself forcefully that she is her mother's pride and joy, and this will never happen again. She falls into an uneasy sleep and has a nightmare, feverish dream, about mm-hmm. Devon and Fortown, all bathed in red, and when she wakes She is horrified to discover she is a large red panda. It was very cute, like the discovery. It was very cute. (laughs) She panics and hides in the shower, her mother concluding that she has started her period. Uh, May manages to evade her mother and learns that the key to hiding the panda and becoming herself as a human girl is calming her emotions. Any strong emotion Mm -hmm. will trigger the panda, love, happiness, any of that. However, mm-hmm. her hair is now red, uh, which for a lot of Asian people, that would be a delight because I wanted my hair red and it was hard to dye, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she does hide it under a cap or a beanie, as some of us call it. Yes, and they called it something else. They did. In in turning red, I'm like, that's a Canadian term. They, I think they said toboggan, but I think they said like tog or like they had a short Something name like, for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Canadian listeners, you can write in and let us know. Um, <laughs> May controls her emotions even when her mother offers her tea for cramps to relax the, and she makes this hand gesture that's like kind of <laughs> based sort of thing. <laughs> it was very awkward. It was very awkward. She handles her emotions when she learns that Tyler is putting up drawings of her making out with Devin and mocks her in front of their classmates. Um, when she sees a fellow student and feels attraction, but she loses control and goes panda when her mother shows up, makes a scene in front of her classmates, shouting that she forgot your pads. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it has this, is holding out pads in front of everybody. Um, so yes, May goes panda, makes a run through Toronto to the family temple, causing much chaos and destruction along the way. Her mother arrives and reveals to her that their ancestor, Sun He, was given this gift in order to protect her daughters, and that ever since then, every girl has been given the same gift when they come of age, though Ming calls it an inconvenience. Ming reassures Mei that she went through the same thing and that there is a ritual to banish the panda into an item, into a talisman type thing. They just have to wait for the night of the red moon, which is a month away. May is despondent and resorts to throwing herself against walls to try to get rid of the panda, um, despite her father, Jin, telling her that red is a lucky color. It is a lucky color. Mm-hmm. Uh, so May's friends show up outside her window to tell her that Four Town is coming to Toronto in a few weeks. Did you have this experience with a boy band? Like you were so excited oh, Green yes. Day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to talk about it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> In her excitement, May opens the curtains and her friends initially freak out at the sight of the big red panda. Um, mm-hmm. Which, yes. She's also really cute and cuddly and one of her friends said this. So <laughs> May convinces them it's her and tells them what's going on. 
Upset, she tells him there's no way she'll have the panda under control by then and curls up crying, tell, telling them to go without her. Her friends start singing Four Towns' hit song, coaxing May to sing with them and cheering her up. They hug her and tell her they love her, panda or no panda. And May transforms back into her human form, also revealing her red hair, which they're like, oh my God, we love it. She mm-hmm. realizes that something about her friends neutralizes the panda and that if she can convince her mother she has it under control, maybe her mother will let her go to Fortown, who we've already seen her say, who are these kids? What's up with who these are kids these this day? delinquents and their <laughs> hip-hoppery? Yeah, like... <laughs> I ask yes. that question often. What is this hip-hoppery? <laughs> Ming puts May through a series of triggers to test that she has her emotions and her panda under control, including the kittens. Yeah. I would. It was super cute. And I was like, let me hug them. And May (laughs) passes with flying colors. After May gives an elaborate presentation about why she should be allowed to go to see Fortown. But her mom shoots her down, telling her that she doesn't approve of their gyrations and that (laughs) she'll see them and panda all over the place. She might not be wrong. I mean, panda (laughs) all over the place. Can we say that as a euphemism from now on? I think so. (laughs) Anyway, annoyed, May storms away as Ming is complaining about how she could look at her mother that way. And she, at the same time, she tries to dodge a call from her own mother who insists on coming to help Ming with May's ritual despite Ming's protest with reinforcements. Yeah. And you can tell from that that phone call. Her mother, Ming's mother, is intense. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, the next day, the girls, this group of friends, who all got shot down by their guardians in their quest to go to Fortown, decide to rebel and find a way to go to the concert anyway. um, They're trying to come up with a way to raise $800 because the tickets are $200 a piece um, when they get the idea to hustle the panda, as in sell merchandise and pictures with the panda to their fellow students. To push themselves over their goal, May agrees to go to Tyler's party, Tyler the bully that we mentioned earlier. Um, He wants her to come so everyone else will come because everyone's kind of enamored with this panda. Like all the students love the panda. She agrees to come for an hour if he gives them $200. As May is sneaking out that night, Ming's mother and her four sisters arrive, the reinforcements. They delay her, but May eventually eludes them and makes her way to Tyler's party. But not before uh, her grandmother tells her, like, I know you're still turning into the panda every time you turn into it. It's uh, the harder it is to, to do the ritual to get rid of it. Don't do it anymore. But yes, May goes... She, at first, is trying to use, like, her costume and not actually transform into the panda, but she eventually gives in... And she is the life of the party. And her friends ask her if going through this ritual to get rid of the red panda is necessary. May says all of her mom's hopes and dreams are pinned on her and that she can't let her down. As they're celebrating making enough money to go see Fortown, they learn that they've got the wrong date. They've had the wrong date in mind this whole time. And that the concert... (laughs) Yes, the concert is the same night as the ritual. May loses control at this news and goes panda attacking Tyler. Ming arrives seeing this um, after she had discovered all of this panda merchandise and lower grade papers under May's bed. Like she'd gotten 
um, lower and lower grades recently. Tyler's parents yell at Ming, calling Mei an animal, and Ming chastises Mei's friends, blaming them for her behavior. They are left in shock when Mei doesn't defend them, um, and Mei accidentally leaves her gigapet. I wrote gigapet, but this is a very... It's something of that nature, which if you don't know what that is, it was like a little device, a little circular oh, yeah. device. All the had cute, a little, cool kids had it. I was, it was not a one little, of those cool kids. <laughs> I didn't have one either. It had a little graphic and you could see this, you know, animal or creature. There's even an R2-D2 one. Um, <laughs> and you would feed it and take care of it, protect it. I uh, I did have a Neopets account, which is a similar version on the internet. Right. But anyway, she had, she had this little device. She left it behind. Um, and she had named it Robert Jr. after the lead singer of Four Town, of course. Robert, of course. Who knows mm-hmm. French? Which is what that introduction <laughs> yes. we get of him. <laughs> yes, I do too. <laughs> so May's friends go to the concert without her, though they are sad at this turn of events. As May waits for the ritual, her and her dad have a heart-to-heart where Jen reveals he's seen Ming's panda once. And when it came after, her mother insulted Jen and that she was big and incredible. Um, also, he also told her that he discovered the footage of Ming and her friends, and he shows... Mm-hmm. Uh, that footage that he found and he just kind of reiterates about their friendship. It's really sweet about how he thinks that she's having fun for the first time that he's seen. Mm -hmm. And with Mm -hmm. May going back and forth between being human and Panda telling her that everyone has a messy side and that this side of her made him laugh. He enjoyed watching that. And then I think it also told him about the way that she was able to control it because he did try to Mm -hmm. let her know this was a little different Mm -hmm. than her mom, Mm -hmm. who was big, he said. Mm -hmm. Um, The ritual commences, which requires singing from the heart inside a chalk circle. And apparently any song would do. According to the shaman, he's like, it doesn't matter. It just has to come from your heart. He was very cute about Mm -hmm. this. Uh, Mm -hmm. May goes to the spiritual realm, a forest with a black portal that reflects her image before the panda. She struggles to push through it and looks back at her panda as it is being separated from her, flooded with the memories. She embraces the panda, telling her family she's keeping it, much to their horror and dismay. And they try to hold Panda May back, but she pushes them back and telling them she's going to the concert. As her family yell at her, the talisman that holds Ming's panda breaks. Yes. It's a very cool, like there's the red moon. She stands up and she's like, how could she do this to her own mother? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so May uses the panda uh, to jump into the concert venue. I like that scene a lot where she's kind of going back and forth, back and forth uh, to jump and get to this concert, uh, which is in the Sky Dome, which is important so she can jump through the top. It was in the Sky Dome so they could see the, the red moon. And she reunites and reconciles with her friends after it's revealed that Miriam has been taking care of Robert Jr. They also learn that Tyler is a four-town fan and they bring him into the fold. The group is moved to tears as the band starts. Um, they like emerge from these cages. They have these introductions. The music starts. They have these big wings and they like float up and fly. But they are quickly interrupted by Ming's enormous panda. Like I've seen it compared to uh, Ghostbusters. Yeah. The GIF, uh, yeah, like that big marshmallow. Yeah. <laughs> She's the marshmallow yeah. man size for sure. Exactly. She's huge. 
The crowd disperses in horror as Panda Ming enters the arena shouting like, May, where are you? And the members of the band are cowering in fear. May's family arrives, telling her that they have to do the ritual again to save Ming. While Jin drops this massive, very impressive chalk circle, Panda May confronts Panda Ming, telling her that this was all her idea, that she likes boys, she likes loud music, and she likes gyrating, that she's 13, so deal with it. And she does some booty dancing to make her mom back away in horror into the circle. (laughs) And her mom tells her that she never went to concerts. She put her family first. And May tells her she's sorry, she's not perfect, she's not good enough, and manages to knock out her mom uh, just outside of the circle. Right. There's a massive battle. Fantastic mm-hmm. battle between the mm-hmm. two of them. The mm-hmm. booty dancing was quite hilarious and yes. funny. And I'm like, this is, <laughs> yes, panda booty. Here we go. I would have corgi booties all the time, so might as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so May tries her best to pull her into the circle, this gigantic panda. But mm-hmm. her grandmother realizes that it wouldn't be enough. She breaks her own talisman, freeing her panda, instructing her daughters to do the same. Uh, they all join forces to pull Ming in the circle while chanting, but it's not enough. And that's when May's friends and Fortown, who was still hanging up by the wires, uh, start singing their hit song, drawing back the crowd, who all join in. It's like a lovely little melody. It is. It's really cool. Um, yes. I like it a lot. And also, I teared up. I teared up at that part. Ooh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> May is once again transported to the spiritual world or the astral realm, where she finds her mother as a young teen crying. And May asks her what's wrong, and and Ming says, like, she hurt her mother, which I didn't realize the scar on her mother's face was from the panda. Um, And that Ming felt she would never be good enough for her mother, that she was so sick of being perfect. May comforts her mom, telling her that even though it feels that way all the time, isn't true, and leads her through the forest her mother returning to her age as they as they find the rest of the women in their family. Ming and her mother hug, and the women go through the portal one by one, separating from their pandas until it's just Ming and Mei left. Ming tells Mei that she sees how hard Mei is on herself and apologizes if she is the one that taught her that, and that the farther you go, the prouder I'll be. Um, don't let anyone stop you. Still in the spirit realm, May asks Sun Yi if she will regret it, and the two fly into the sky as pandas holding hands. Back in the real world, May reveals that the family is trying to fix the damage done by Ming's panda, and that May transforms into the panda to attract people to their family temple. Um, so they're doing this, and when her friends arrive, including Tyler, who's now part of the group, um, they ask her to go karaoke with them. Ming tries to stop her at first, but they compromise. Um, I love how she says, my panda, <laughs> my body, my panda mom, um, because she goes out with like her ears Real and her talk. tail. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they compromise and Ming invites her friends to come over for dinner after for the first time. While May is in part sad that things have changed and that she misses how things used to be a little um, as part of life and that all of us have these messy bits of ourselves. And then it cuts to a really excellent credit scene where the the beats of Four Town play. <laughs> Can I rant for a sec? Please. 
pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank. Brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. So I wanted to see this movie. But I don't think I would have watched it the day it came out, which I did, unless there hadn't been so much controversy about it. And I saw this headline, I think it was on CNN, and it said something about turning red tackles puberty and periods in a way we've never seen in an animated film before. And I was like, okay, I have to watch this. I have to watch this. (laughs) I have to know what this is. Right. I have to know... And so that is definitely one of the themes about this whole movie. And I even saw, I was checking headlines today to make sure like that there wasn't anything we were leaving out that's uh, new news. And I saw a headline that was like, how did Domi Shi get a magical tale about periods made by Pixar. (laughs) I was like, I have the same question because I literally, I texted you the night I watched it and I said, I've never seen this many pads in any children's movie in my entire life. Right. And it's interesting because we are going to come back to this, uh, but one of the things I did want to say is like the first thing that I saw, the controversy, and it was even before it was technically released, people were talking about it, and we know it will talk about the fact that they didn't do a lot of publicity for this movie, unlike the rest of them, and there's many reasons mm-hmm. to that, this one controversy being one of them. But the other part to that is we there was a movie critic who owns his own production company and or a magazine review company or whatever, or at least is high up, made uh, a review and essentially was downplaying the fact that this was relevant at all. 
Yep. He's a white man, if you are not surprised by this, who literally was like, you know, this might resonate for some people. And and the director and the writer, sure, it seemed like she made this for herself and her small group of friends and family. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really demeaning in every freaking way. So people lost their minds, as they should, uh, because they were like, wait, how ridiculous are you that you sit here saying because you are not a person of color, an Asian person, a Chinese person from Toronto, you can't relate to this movie so it's not significant and it shouldn't be treated as such? Who are you? Um, And there's this whole conversation of like representation and the fact that we have a modern representation instead of the stylized, ridiculous ideology and fetishism of Asian peoples that we've seen so much throughout uh, every movie. But also even in Disney, Mulan has a whole other conversation that we need to talk about. I love Mulan, don't get me wrong. She is a powerful stance and a representation during that time, but it also had a level of fetishism in trying to make her a princess, even though she wasn't a princess. Yeah. New conversation, I know. But mm-hmm. he had the gall to do so. And so many people came in in defense of it being like, hey, dude, what's wrong with you? Just because you didn't quote unquote relate and wasn't made for you doesn't mean it's not a good movie. That's the only reason you're saying this is not a good movie. Then we need to have this conversation about you being an entitled ass in general. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I want to come back to that. But he he absolutely is referencing that I wasn't a young girl, so I can't relate. So this movie is not good. I'm not Chinese uh, Canadian. I can't relate. This movie's not good. Like saying all of those yeah. levels and people actually running with it for a little while being like, you're so right. We shouldn't be talking mm-hmm. about this because this shouldn't be something that we talk about in public. Yeah. And because it's not white centric, mm-hmm. it's not relatable. Mm-hmm. So many things. But yes, one of the things he included was being a young girl. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely going to come back to that because it was infuriating on several, several layers. And it's just so hypocritical of like every other Disney movie that's ever been made. But whatever. Okay. <laughs> so I I do love, I think it's become clear probably through these segments. I, I love like a movie that is a not heavy handed, but like clear metaphor for something. Um, I love looking at like, oh, I think it means this. Oh, I think it means this. And so this one, the panda, like, and turning red, this red panda is definitely, it was intentionally a a metaphor for periods and adolescence in general. Um, I love that whole bit where she's like, she's smelly, she's hairy, she's emotional, she's messy, like all of those things. Like she wears her jacket around her waist. Mm-hmm. There's so many like nice touches where I'm like, yes. Or like that where she felt like she was bloated. Like, yes, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. Uh, I love her mom when she thinks that uh, the panda, that she's had her period. And she says, did the red peony bloom? That's one of my favorite euphemisms <laughs> I've ever heard for a period in my life. <laughs> uh, yes, I think it was handled really well. And it's kind of common. I don't know about your first experience, but my first experience at the age of 12, I think I had just turned 12, uh, coming home and or calling my mom and being like, I don't know what's happening. And the first thing my mom did, she didn't really talk to me. She just handed me a box of painting liners because it was like the beginning of things. And I was like, oh, what is this? And then from then on, anytime, like, because my periods were excruciating uh, growing mm-hmm. up and my mom understood it and she understood where I was coming from. I didn't, we talked about this whole like level of fantasizing about like this being the moment of womanhood. Yes, we did. Uh huh. And I never had that conversation 
Mm-hmm. That, to me, that was like shocking. And I only saw that on TV. Women, like literally some some sitcoms would be like, we go shopping to celebrate your womanhood. I'm like, why didn't I get that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I want that. <laughs> but in understanding this is biology and yeah, sure, we can celebrate it. That's not the big deal. You do you. I love celebrating mm-hmm. being a woman. You do you. But it doesn't necessarily define anything, but that we need mm-hmm. to have a conversation about what this is. And the fact that it's not shameful is nice too. Yeah. And I think that was one of the big things about this was, again, like I texted you. I've never seen this in a movie before. I was right. shocked. Yeah. I was shocked. And that shouldn't be that way. Like going back to that reviewer who's like, I can't relate. Well, about 50% of us can. Right. And we've never seen this before. Right. I actually saw on Twitter someone talking about they had burst out crying because they loved the fact that it was actually talked about and that mm-hmm. it was given some of the the respect it should. Like the fact that this may hurt, this may be a problem, you may feel some things and that instead of saying you're abnormal, ignore it. They mm-hmm. were able to be like, okay, here you go. Let me assist you. And yeah, the same way you were talking about, I've never seen so many pads. She talked about that. She's like, I've never seen a cartoon bring out pads. And the yeah. fact that it was actually illustrated in, I was like, yeah, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the different <laughs> brands. Let's go. <laughs> she had like 10 different types. Yeah. It was so good. And I love when she brings out like, here's the tea, here's the hot water thing. She had all these things. She was ready. I loved it. And I I was, as I said, I was shocked they got this made. Um, And there have been articles about how they were able to get this made. uh, If you want to go read those. I also thought that whole kind of like having to skip events because of your period, I related to that too. Mm -hmm. Just like, oh, I can't go to the concert because of this. Like, I feel like a lot of us recognize, like, we've had those times, especially if, like, a bathing suit situation's involved right. or something, where you're like, oh, I can't go, and you can't, you don't really want to explain why you can't go. Yeah. But you don't feel comfortable going. <laughs> right. Um, and then that whole, like, shame factor, as you said, like, gotta hide the panda. Her mom even says at one point, like, we can't let anyone see her like this. We have to hide it. She's can like she says she has to get home and has to hide. She's clearly embarrassed when anyone sees her before she realizes she can make some money and people actually think it looks good. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that was interesting too of sort of, you know, embracing this thing you've been told to be ashamed of, all these messy sides as her dad says, that that inner beast. I don't know. That that was I that was interesting because I found that Somebody told me once that like a lot of things you think are your weaknesses are your powers. I thought with that with this, like she embraced it and right. was able to like control it, but also let it out. Like she, I don't know. Yeah. It was really, I thought it was really powerful. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's fantastic to see her being loved and loving and who is willing to accept what. That, that said a lot, like there's so much trepidation in being who you are. And then when you're mm-hmm. feeling accepted, that's a whole new level of power. It really is, like, mm-hmm. level of self-confidence. And once mm-hmm. you see people behind you, it's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, now that we're talking about this, I wonder, this could be me reading way too much into things again, but I wonder if there's any sort of intention on the creator's parts to be like, you could embrace this femininity, these parts of women that we've made taboo for so long, and you can make money off of it. Like, people will like it. And there's stories that people want to hear. Right. So that's interesting. Right. And then, yeah, I did like the whole my panda, my choice, mom. 
uh, when she's going out, because we've talked about that before, where in I had a lot of experiences where my parents, I would be like leaving the house and they would tell me, stop, no, wait, you can't go out in that. And it did make me very self-conscious about my body and like why I couldn't go out like that. Um, and it, it has been interesting during this pandemic where I've really just like, I don't care. <laughs> right. Going out <laughs> in my shirt, no bra, whatever. Right. It kind of has come to the point of like, what's the point of fancy clothes? Don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. Dressing up is nice. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, there's also something to be said to wear pajama pants all day long, as I am in currently as we're recording mm-hmm. this, and not mm-hmm. having a bra on, being in sweats, and just being like, yeah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. And then, like, walking out, because I absolutely grew up with a mother in the generation of, you need to have makeup on at all times. Don't let people see you like this. You look old. You look haggard. You look tired. Any of those things. And feeling like, if I look this way, I have failed somehow. Yeah. And to Mm -hmm. the point of like, oh, wait, I'm fine. This is who I am. Why should I care what you think of me? I don't know you. Moving on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, you know, there's a part of me that gets really unfortunate. And we're going to talk about this in a second. But like, there's a part of me that gets like my body at that age was going to be sexualized. Like no matter what, but especially if I went out without a bra or whatever it was. So my parents were kind of being protective. But because of that, it's like a no-win situation for me personally, or young girls in general that were being told like, oh, you're sexualized, you can't wear that. And then it makes you feel sexualized, and then you feel weird. Um, <laughs> also, I did want to just mention, because I think a lot of us can relate to this too, I think this is sort of what I was talking about in our recent happy hour. I'm not sure if it's come out yet. It, it's out soon, or has been out, about the villain and kind of repainting yourself in this way. Or, or just rethinking about um, how people perceive you. But there's one point where May is looking in the mirror and she's preparing for this ritual and she has this memory, this really vivid memory of her as a panda attacking Tyler and is like taken aback and feels so much guilt. And you can tell she feels so much guilt about around her mom and not being the perfect daughter. And I think a lot of us can relate to that too. Like I was joking with my friend the other day, you know, the 4 a.m. memory of something you said in high school that just like... <laughs> comes back and keeps you up at night. Um, so I think that's a really relatable experience as well. And then, yeah, going back to what you said, Samantha, there was a lot of conversation, which we have talked about before around double standards and reviewing of movies um, or entertainment in general. And especially, yes, this Canadian like white male writer really sparked it off all this backlash from that because he called it limiting, which again, if you like, I feel like so many times I've had to point out to like white male friends of mine, you're calling this like a women's only niche thing, but how many things we watch that are just about white men right? and you're centered and you don't question that. Right. And there's so often that women who liking what is called masculine or men things are cool and mm-hmm. not just one of those girls. Um, but if you have the opposite, then those guys are too effeminate. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's so much like 
toxic masculinity that comes down. He went on a whole new level of being racist uh, as <laughs> well, obviously, because he really wanted to talk about the, that no one's interested in Chinese culture, which when we look at what's happening around the world today, uh, there's enough Asian hate happening that we don't need that rhetoric. A, B, but people still love and idealize and fetishize a lot of Asian cultures today and appropriate a lot of Asian culture today to the point of like, they want to erase Asian history and the heritage by taking it over and claiming it as their own. And so this level of conversation, even though I'm sure in his mind, he really thought it was just going to be a puff piece, moving on, this is my opinion, was Mm -hmm. hateful rhetoric. And what Mm -hmm. he was saying and how really kind of ignorant it was in general, again, to be like, wow, you're supposed to be a worldly journalist critique critic. And you Mm -hmm. took this point of view as if you're talking to your family who you may have raised to not care outside of your own white narrative. So that says a lot about you, but don't be in public platforms and don't think you're going to get away with it, which I'm glad he didn't. Right. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. But one of the like most infuriating things that happened from that and from like, because he wasn't the only one by far who wrote something that was like, oh God, periods. Um, There was a Reddit post one of my friends alerted me to when I was telling her how much I love this movie uh, about it not being appropriate for young children. And it generated a lot of conversation and and views and hits because parents were saying, like, I've heard a lot about this movie. Is it appropriate for my children? And 
you and I were texting about this after you watched it, and you rightly pointed out, and others have rightly pointed out, um, that there are, you know, other Disney movies about underage women marrying older men that are painted as romance or being kissed while unconscious. uh, While underage, also. (laughs) Right. Living with seven strangers while she was doing work, like, (laughs) Uh like housework for them. Hello. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's absolutely right. And part of that Reddit and and TikTok as well has been uh, circulating because I love the TikToks um, mm-hmm. as well, where conservative Christian men would sit up and say, we didn't see it sit longer than three minutes in this movie because not only does it show disrespect, and this is why, according to the Bible, you should leave. Holding a freaking Bible wow. and saying this is against God's will, essentially, to a movie, mm-hmm. once again, that really just... It's age appropriate. <laughs> like that's the biggest, fu- like it's a funny. Again, I think that was one of my biggest complaints when we were texting. I was like, at least this is age appropriate. Fanning over boys, thirteen years old. Hell yeah, did I fan over some boys? I <laughs> love Jonathan Brandis with my whole being and body. Yes, yes I did. Uh, R.I.P. <laughs> by the way, but I adored oh. him. Chris O'Donnell, one of my biggest crush. Thank you very much. Has yes. Yes, I haven't seen him recently, but you know, whatever. Uh-huh. All of those things happened at the age of 13, trying to, and, and much like her, and we're going to talk about this again, much like Meili, she loved her friends, and her friends were people that she could be herself with. I yeah. felt that to my core when you felt like you were hiding something from your family. And I think a lot of teenagers do this, if not all mm-hmm. teenagers do this feel the need to be different at home than they do with their friends. And mm-hmm. that level of love and acceptance is a whole different level. Uh, and and I remember feeling this way. Like I told uh, my friends when I was going through hard times before I told my family. Uh, mm-hmm. They knew when I was in trouble before my family. They knew the dirtiness that happened to my past before my family. Like all mm-hmm. of those things were there because I loved my friends and trusted them because they were my chosen family. Of course, there's some ridiculous rhetoric and and betrayal and drama that happens with friend groups, but that's that level of being that age. Mm -hmm. And that's what this this portrayed it so amazingly to me as where, again, the other Disney movies that we have seen, and I love them still, taught kids to grow up in a way to be these subservient princesses, the I have to be all of these things in order to right. find my perfect prince, which mm-hmm. what is that conversation once right. again? Uh, it wasn't yeah. until the new turns happened that we started seeing a progressive for conversation of maybe our whole goal isn't to find the perfect man. Yeah. Yeah. We should come back and talk about that because there was that huge controversy with um, Brave as well because she was like, a lesbian maybe because she didn't want to get married at, I don't know, 15. Um, (laughs) So, something wrong there. Um, Was it the same way with Encanto that we talked? She's mm -hmm. a young girl. I think everybody figured out she was like, what, 15, 16? She's 15. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And everybody's like, oh, she's that age? But even in that rhetoric, she still was fighting herself and being her own hero. Mm-hmm. And 
finding herself away from her family, which Disney is really mm-hmm. into right now. I know. I and know. that's fine. <laughs> well, I didn't hear that many complaints about her rebelling against her family as much as I heard about this one. I think this one is too close to home because they see their own kids doing mm. this right now because yeah. they, again, we're going to talk about this is with religion and women, I know. But that whole idea of like, if you suffocate them enough, they're going to uh, grow up to be the mini version of you. Mm-hmm. But in the end, they're their own humans. And oftentimes that pushes kids away. Yeah, And that's kind of that same conversation. You can have the best intent if you're doing this out of other reasoning, other than just trying to let them be their best selves. Mm-hmm. then it's going to probably blow up in your face. Uh, this yeah. kind of characteristic ha- is happening, and it has happened. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what we talk about with teenage rebellion, girls rebelling, any of those rebellion, when mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. expectations laid upon them, and it's unrealistic because you're projecting. All of that to say, this is a real honest, yeah. and I think people are really scared of honest. Yes, especially when it comes to young girls and sexuality, which we've talked about a lot. Um, and so you know I have to talk about fan fiction. Because. <laughs> you know. <laughs> because after this movie came out and there was all this freaking out about it, the hashtag at 13 got over 1 million tweets. And it was about fan fiction people were writing at 13. So people were like, no, yeah, this is right. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I definitely snuck in some of those romance books that I saw my friend's parents have. <laughs> Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And it's been really interesting because, like, the creators have been very open about, you know, their own fan fiction experiences or just fan fandom in general of, like, really crushing over this band or whatever it is. I felt it was very Backstreet Boys band, but, you know. I'm going to go with NSYNC. See? Mm. 1,000, uh-huh. please. <laughs> we'll have to get a hold of it. If you're listening, please let us know. <laughs> Women game developers specifically, start. they wrote about how writing fan fiction helped them start their career as part of this conversation. And I, as I alluded to at the top, I related to this so hard because I had, yes, a Green Day fan fiction about how I saved <laughs> Billy Joe's life and then he fell in yes, love with yeah. me, obviously. Yes, obviously. Uh, I wrote it when I was like 14. And then... I've had fan fiction, not that one, but other fan fiction that I've written. I had one read by my mom accidentally uh, and one read by a friend of my brother's accidentally. And it was humiliating. Like, so that part, I was like, oh my God, yes. When her mom throws down the images in front of everybody that she'd drawn of her and Devin and Devin's got a mermaid tail. I was like, oh God, (laughs) this is it. I know this feeling. Um, (laughs) You want to hide under the bed too when you watch this? I was freaking out. I was like, I got to text everyone I know. I need some distraction. Um, (laughs) But it was like, I think we're so uncomfortable with young girl sexuality and fangirls of, of bands, specifically in this case, you know, we don't give them a chance to express these things. And this is one of the few places that a lot of young girls feel safe to express this sexuality, these emotions they're feeling in a way like, again, this band is singing, you know, you don't know you're beautiful, you're the best thing ever, whatever. And in your mind, like I love that uh, that imagination sequence uh, May has where she's imagining like marrying Robert, going to this concert, meeting him and marrying him. And like, that's never going to happen. 
Right. But it's like a nice, it allows you to kind of experience it in a safe way. Right. Oh, I definitely thought Lance Bass was going to tell me he loved me. And then I was like, oh, wait, he ne- <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> Multiple <laughs> reasons. Many reasons why. Yes. Uh, multi-layers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like, I loved I loved the boy band aspect of this movie because I felt like the creators clearly went through it and experienced it. I related to it so hard. Absolutely. So many of us do. Uh, I mean, come on. Again, as I said, NSYNC, growing up, it was definitely uh, New Kids on the Block. Uh, They were some of my favorites. There are so many bands that are like, yeah, give give me that. Mm -hmm. But my niece loved One Direction. She was a huge, huge fan of One Direction. BTS is like a huge name. It has a Mm -hmm. giant fandom, like giant fandom. And maybe she Mm -hmm. is kind of using them as well because we know that that has gone on to be like a big uh, love. But boy bands have been around since the Partridge family, uh, the Monkees, the Beatles, all of them. It has been a thing way back when. Like, we know there's a love for boys who croon at us about Mm -hmm. how much he could love us and how amazing we are as women. As I'm sure young boys as well, those who are queer community was like, yeah, that was for me too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that's Mm -hmm. what we need to do is like, again, this is why I think this movie scared so many conservatives. It was too real. They want to keep it the fantasy where they hope that they, the kids know they can't ever reach it, but pretend to be perfect. This doesn't Mm -hmm. tell them they have to be perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I love it. Um, I also love that Billie Eilish was uh, a part in writing the song since she was a huge fan of boy bands growing up. Yeah. And she like she loved some Justin Bieber. She understood the assignment. It is clear. Um, <laughs> I love that there is the parallel of, you know, the period thing of like becoming a woman, uh, which we have talked about and is problematic in its own way. But of for them, for these like four friends, they they keep saying like, we're going to go into this concert, girls, and we're going to leave women I love that. I love like all this commentary around like having to hide your burgeoning sexuality as a girl. Of like, you don't say you like gyrating the stripper music, as Abby's uh, guardians call it. Hiding stuff under the bed, I felt was very like kind of reminiscent of boys hiding porn under <laughs> the bed. Did you have a, a stash of things that you hid? I did have a stash of things. Again, it was like highly innocent fan fiction. But yes, I did have yeah. a stash of things that I hid. And actually some boy band CDs that I was embarrassed to have. Okay. I hid. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I did want to say I did have this exact same thing of trying to convince the, the parents, the guardians, to let me and five friends go see Green Day. They all said no. We came up with a plan. We told them we were going to go tour Vanderbilt College. Uh, We tricked one of the other parents. We raised money. So they drove us to see the college. We kind of lured him away with a football game, Tennessee Titans, he wanted to see. We stuck off to see Green Day. Oh, damn. (laughs) So your plan worked. Nice. Oh, it worked. <laughs> nice. See, the one show that I can think of was when I was in college, and so I would have had to pay for myself. Mm-hmm. Well, I was about to be in college. I was in high school. Uh, mm-hmm. Was the NSYNC, Janet Jackson tour that brought on NSYNC uh, for Velvet Rope tour. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we did not make it. 
Oh, <laughs> I'm shocked that you pulled it off. That was a diehard. That's amazing. <laughs> it's yeah. So I, my mom, I asked her what she thought about this because uh, this movie because she'd watched it and she that was one of the first things she brought up is she said it reminded me of you when you were a kid. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's like love oh. it. <laughs> she loved it. Uh, also, side note, uh, not really relevant, but I loved it. So early two thousands, like so many. There was butterfly clips. There were those gigapets. The cell phones were like from that era, the, you know, handheld video camera. Oh, yeah. Nice touch. Nice touch. Those butterfly clips, I wore those to prom. Oh, oh wow. Nice. Yep. <laughs> yep. I still have mine. I don't know why, <laughs> but I still have them. <laughs> Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. I also want to mention, we talked about this recently in our book club of of Women in Salt. Um, There are, because we've kind of been talking about this as like a, you know, adolescent period metaphor, which it is, but it's also been seen as like, kind of intergenerational trauma, which we also saw differently, but similarly in Encanto, which is another issue where people kept comparing Encanto and Turning Red and other people were like, let them both be. Like, we don't have to pit them up against each other. But I saw that for some people, the, the Red Panda representing kind of like more traditional culture and then May being more like, you know, third generation. Well, we don't even know, but like a, a... immigrant in America, oh, Canada. I keep doing that. An immigrant in Canada 
kind of molding, melding with, you know, boy bands or American culture, Western culture, whatever it is. And that's kind of the beauty of when their songs match at the end of the chant of the boy band. That whole thing of being like the perfect immigrant, representing your culture or race, which uh, we had the host of Ethnically Ambiguous um, a while back come on and talk about that. So if you want to listen to that episode, it's really good. But yeah, like the panda being sort of this cultural trauma, something hidden from... So from the articles I read, the idea is like it's hidden from people who are immigrants until you get older. And then it's like all this history and trauma, though. Right. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. definitely a long conversation of assimilation when it comes to specifically uh, immigration refugees who... This is specific to Asian culture. We're supposed to be model minorities for any Western society. So that means we assimilate to whatever Western cultural ideas there are. And I will say I really did love that they were like, we are proud to be part of this, but not the whole of this, because that makes us so different. We don't want that to be uh, a hindrance for us to thrive and be what is successful here. Uh, And when I say here, I'm talking about North America in general, Canada, Mm -hmm. the U.S. Um, There's that level of conversation of fitting in. Um, But for a lot of first-generation, second-generation children, it is that fine line of how do we fit in and being ashamed of our own culture to being still proud of making people proud in the family. There's that huge conversation. I do not know that personal experience completely. I just know the assimilation part and now trying to find and backtrack and find it. But I can understand that level of wanting to fit in and what does that look like? And then also carrying the weight of whatever has happened in your family um, and knowing that it can be passed down. And, And not that it aligns, but like the Appalachia family, which is a newer category in the past, I think, 15 years, kind of holds that same ideas of uh, keeping your tradition, fitting in, but at the same time bringing dishonor and harming Mm -hmm. your family name by doing something that does not align with their traditions. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think that that's a good segue into something else we wanted to talk about, which is the mother-daughter relationship in this movie. You have like Ming's relationship with her mother, but at the heart of it, besides like the friendship is Ming's relationship with May, May's relationship with Ming. And I found a really interesting quote from she, uh, the director, who she did Bao, the short movie, the short mm-hmm. Pixar film. Yep. Um, she did that and somebody asked her, why didn't she do that one about like a mother-daughter? And she said she needed a whole movie to unpack mother-daughter relationships. <laughs> and I was like, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And I like that like dynamic between when all of the, all of May's aunts show up and they're all like, she's lost weight, she's gained weight. Like, I feel like that, that chatter and all of this judgment, but it framed in a way that's supposed to be nice. I feel like a lot of us can relate to that. And then something else I want to mention, because I know like you said something about it and a lot of people have said something about it, is sort of this tiger mom thing. And also the strategic incompetent dad, which is just something I picked up on because we had recently talked about it. Uh, but here's a quote from Xi. You'll talk to any first-generation Asian kids. They do have the experience with it, but stories about tiger moms never explore why parents are that way. And a lot of the time, it's from the creator's own past experiences. So that, I do really like that you watch it 
and you're mad at the mom and you're like, you don't get it. You're so tough. Like you're you're all in right. it. And then at the end, it gives her that sort of beautiful, you see her as a kid and you see her influences and you see her with her mom and how her and her mom's right. relationship is. So they kind of like, it was definitely, I got that vibe too. But then I like that at least they gave her, she was a well-rounded character and they gave her like the backstory of why right. she was this way. And a lot of this also has, like, I, I had a lot of questions because I'm like, okay, we know this is a stereotype. We know this is something that we want to address because is it a stereotype or is it, again, a personal experience that she just really wanted to convey? A redemption mm-hmm. arcs, which we talked about, if mm-hmm. in this way of learning to allow a child to grow, but in it all, it's all out of love. And it's literally how much she loves her daughter and how much she wants for her daughter, not that she's ever disappointed. Like that never mm-hmm. comes out. It's just always, I love you so much and you are the most amazing. And and her daughter fulfilling that as well and finding each other's best friends. We mm-hmm. talked about that with our own parents, with my mother, own mother, who's not Asian, but really wanting to put all of that those dreams on her own daughter in hopes that they can grow to that point of finding just as much love, all of that. Different things, but it is because she loved her so much and everything was in her mind for her daughter. The typical stereotype that we see instead of that is often just like the very uh, distant push away, but that, that wasn't this case at all. And you see that. Of course, the grandmother kind of portrays that, but we don't know the history about what happened and all of that and trying to control it and disciplining or in discipline in general life uh, and trying to control yourself and have others control themselves and what that looks like. But yeah, it definitely was a little different. I will say the dad here, yeah, I felt like it was a little bit more of a stereotype too, but at the same time, like he's doing the cooking, he's the emotional support, yeah. he's there when he's needed and he will always, mm-hmm. and he's always watching in the background about yeah. what is needed. Yeah, and I like at the end when he has that really powerful insight I thought that was great. It was just something like, because we just talked about it, I was like, ah, is this it? And then I, at the end, I was like, oh, no, not really. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I also wanted to include this quote from she. The red panda is a metaphor, not just for puberty, but also what we inherit from our moms and how you deal with the things that we inherit from them. So I love that. Um, also, as we've been talking about this whole time, the real heart of this is the friendships between the four girls. And I think... We have just sung the praises of how great it is to have support from women, to have good friends that aren't toxic, uh, which unfortunately a lot of friendships at this age can be, but to have these like good friends who see you. And I love that May is able to control the panda. She thinks of her friends and how they like hold her. And uh, they say like, you're number one in our hearts, girl. Like they always are just right. there for her. And it's so, so sweet. <laughs> right. Um, and I will say... I have been the the friend, I've talked about this before, that the parent disapproved of. Mm-hmm. But the parent came and realized I was like an anchor for them mm-hmm. and and found love for me, much like this story. Yeah. But I do, again, we've talked about how friendships are so important to us. And this, I loved seeing this being centered around them and um, not having them in the bad light, but the main character in the bad light and trying to see her grow out of it. It, it was really refreshing. It was really refreshing. And I like that they had their their fight, but they were able to overcome it. Because like, a lot of times right. I feel like that lasts longer. But in this, they were like, no, we're such good friends. Very, we can do yes. this. Yeah, We, we got to get past it. Yeah. Um, So we're not going to go into this too much right now, but I did want to mention because it's a big piece of this conversation. When this movie came out, as you said, 
Uh, it didn't have a traditional theatrical release, even though uh, Disney has, for most of the movies in the past few months, given that two movies they've released. Um, they barely gave it any publicity, despite the fact that the cast and crew really pushed back. Um, and I think that's pretty telling. I think that's pretty damning. And then also, this was happening around the time of like, don't say gay in Florida and Disney, the president, the CEO, especially having like really problematic or not great uh, statements that he made and a lot of reversals that were even worse somehow. Mm -hmm. So Pixar employees, in response to that, said that they've been pushed to axe queer stories from movies. And I believe that one uh, was axed from this one because, right. because of this whole thing. So there's that piece of it. And that's something we are going to, we definitely need to come back and talk about because there's a lot there. But in the meantime, I did want to end this on, I really love the message of embracing yourself and all the messy sides of yourself. And I really love that they captured that part of adolescence that's like the sadness of moving on. I like at the end how she has that like, I'm sad things are changing, but I'm excited that it's changing. Right. Because I think that's so accurate. Like, it is sad a lot of times when things change, but that's life. Like, things change. Right. Yeah. Yeah, just a part of the growing up, because I definitely reminisce about times. I'm like, oh, this was such a great period of time. Mm -hmm. And then you grow and you're like, wow. And you, sometimes you did. You felt that. You felt that change happening and you knew what's coming, but you had to embrace it. Uh, but growing together was better. I also love the ending where they all had to like take new talismans. Yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't what they all chose. So the mom yeah. Ming got the Giga Pet or the little digital pet, uh, mm -hmm. which was quite funny. I was like, why does she have? Oh, yeah. okay. And mm -hmm. then the grandmother who got the number four from the concert because yeah. you know she had nothing else and is unlucky. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and she already <laughs> talked about that. But I, mm -hmm. I love that they all kind of progressed and moved on. Again, that they each had the choice of how they wanted to move on. And I think that was mm -hmm. really important to see as well. Me too. Oh. Love this movie. I love this movie so much. <laughs> Go watch it if you haven't seen it. It's excellent. It's very, very sweet. And uh, as always, we do have a lot of movies, as we said, lined up, but we're always looking for suggestions. So if you'd like to send those to us, you can. Our email is stuffyandmomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I'm never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. 
Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 